You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Podcast with Dante Belmonte, here to help you start or continue your journey in real estate. Each episode, we bring you a different expert real estate investor who will share the secrets to their success so you can learn and benefit from their experience. Let's jump right into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte. Uh, today, our guest is Chris from The Stealthy Rich. Chris, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks for coming on today's show. Sure. My name's uh, Chris. I run stealthyrich.com. That's also at the Stealthy Rich on the Instagram. Uh, I've got a partner named Dave, and we're two guys who live in Houston, Texas, and have amassed a small uh, set of what we call factories, our rental houses that we uh, buy and hold rental houses. And it's our ticket to uh, kind of exit the rat race, hopefully. Yeah. And I, I like how you say your little factories, because, you know, as investors, we see them as printing money machines. We don't see them as houses, so to speak, right? Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. So, uh, Chris, how long have you been you have you been investing in real estate for and how did you get into real estate investing? Yeah, so we started in uh, 2013. So not too long ago. So seven years. And uh, Dave and I had just become acquaintances at a business lunch. He worked in a different industry, but we were, we were near each other physically. And so we met for lunch some through some uh, mutual friends. And we started talking about, you know, cubicle nightmares and coming to work every day. I was only, uh, let's see, I'm 38 now. So I was 30, you know, just barely 30 at the time. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like a long time till retirement, you know, another 30 years. <laughs> so I right. couldn't, couldn't picture that. And so we started talking about business ideas and I threw out the idea of real estate, you know, cause it had always sound kind of sexy to me. Right. But I knew nothing about it. And uh, Dave had, had just graduated law school in, in Lubbock and he had done a few there uh, kind of college rentals and he was excited. He's like, Hey man, let's, let's jump in together and, um, <clears throat> and see what we can do. And so we attacked the Houston market. We started with three other friends actually who were at that lunch uh, and we pulled some money together and we bought, uh, just properties off the MLS and they were usually rent ready, very low risk uh, uh, properties, but they were priced well. Uh, this was back in 2013. And so we kind of, kind of cut our teeth on that model and we bought five uh, through that kind of method. And it was really, it was really unique. One of the, one of the partners had access to uh, interest only financing. And so mm -hmm. on our first house, I think our mortgage payment, we paid uh, $90,000 for that house. It was a three bedroom, oh. two bath house. And, um, I think the mortgage payment on that house was $90, $92 a month, right? So, so that allowed us to feel very safe and, and, and have a lot of room for error as we learned right, right. what we were doing. Uh, but eventually those, uh, those other three partners, the five of us kind of parted ways very amicably. Uh, they, they weren't as excited. You know, some of them moved, whatnot. And uh, Dave and I have then created a uh, kind of an enterprise of uh, over – probably 80 deals that we've done since. And that we, okay. right now we're sitting at 55 properties that we own. Okay. That was my next question, what your portfolio yeah. looks like. So you're at like 55, which is a great number to be at. It's yeah. pretty strong. It's a steady flow of income. And what market are you currently in? Yes. Yeah, so we're in, in Houston. Everything we do, we have not strayed from that. That's where we live. Uh, and we've, we were in about three zip codes only. And we we've gone very deep and very narrow in our, and so we know those zip codes, like the back of our hands, right? Like right. Someone That's can where you tell specialize me in. a house on a street. And if it's in, you know, normal condition, I can tell you within a couple thousand dollars what the house is worth and what it'll rent for. And so that has made us pretty agile in the fact that we can 
just quickly make offers, quickly buy stuff. And very rarely do we mess up because we know it so well. And so right. that's, that's been our bread and butter is just a, a couple of zip codes. And the way we started with those, I'll tell you, is we, we did some research and it, it's still true, but not as much. But back then, the rent, uh, the rent versus what the mortgage payment was, was so far off. I don't want to call it a market inefficiency, but there was, it was almost like this um, arbitrage there. And so we thought, hey, we've got to own as many of these as we can. Right. Yeah. And we've been able to significantly or consistently push rent up over the years. Uh, but that is that is originally why we started. And it's lucky that we live here so we didn't have to do distance investing. But uh, that's that's been our bread and butter. Yeah. So something you said that I want to touch on is you said there's three zip codes that you guys know, like the back of your hand and you can make offers on if you know the general condition on um, layout, things like that. I think that's super important that you need to specialize in a certain market because I'm the same way. There's two zip codes in my area that I will, for the most part, only invest in unless there's a, a super sweet deal out of it. But those right. are those two zip codes. I know them like the back of my hand. I know every street, every junction, you know, I know exactly what a property is going to be worth. If it's, you know, if it's two family, it's a two, three bed, one bath flats. I already know exactly what it's going to be depending on condition, like you said, because obviously sure. that plays a huge uh, role in that. So you can kind of be like the local celebrity in those zip codes. You know, people are going to know you in those zip codes. People are going to do business with you in those zip codes. And most importantly, you have to know those zip codes. So for the listeners listening, I think that's super important. Zip code, zip code, zip codes. You know, you hear location, location, right. location. That's huge. And there's not to say there's certain spots in a zip code you won't want to invest in because that's true. But if you know the zip codes, you'll know those pockets, you'll know those squares. I mean, I'm sure you hear a street name, you're immediately like, okay, yeah, I know that street. I also own property on that street, you know, something like that, correct? Yeah, exactly. We have, we, now we, we joke about it. We have five streets where we own multiple properties on it, right? And it's just kind of like, uh, we, we call it that area. We call it the farm, right? We want to own the farm. But, uh, right. but, but you're right. We kind of had ordered uh, the, the neighborhoods within those zip codes, like our favorites versus uh, this one's a little, a little sketchy or not as, not as uh, valuable to us. And so we're, we're willing to pay a little bit less in those areas. Uh, and to your point where people start to know us, that's happened as well. And that's where we have three or four, maybe five properties outside of those zip codes. And they're kind of chores for us, right? Cause they're, they're further away. Uh, you know, we don't like to go visit them. They're not, we don't know that area as well. And so our contractors don't want to go all the way out there. And so, right, right. Um, but yeah, definitely. we like to focus on, on the, on the heartland, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And so like when I bought my first deal, it was on like the far West side of the city. And I really didn't know, you know, it was my learning experience. That was my learning property. And then the rest of my properties over on the East side. And that's kind of like where our home base is, where all of our contractors work out of everything's in a five to 10 minute radius right. right there. Yeah. And it's almost like that's the ugly stepchild, like, you know, the first property, but that, <laughs> yeah. that was also like my learning experience. So it's sitting there, it's still doing well, but like every time I have to go over there, I'm just like, you know, you're right. just like, yeah, yeah, you, you gotta go yeah. 20 minutes. Exactly. It's like, you gotta go 20 minutes out of the way. And again, one of my other buddies, he invests basically on like two streets. Like he oh, literally wow. owns the full streets. Like you go down the street or you're in the car. He's like, yeah, I own this one, this one, this one, this one. He's like, I'm working on getting that one. And then this one, this one, this. you know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's the way to do it. Cause if you yeah. own it in the neighborhood, you own a street, you're in control of those values, which is great. And that's what he yeah. did. I mean, he took a, a street with twenty to fifty thousand dollar duplexes, and they're worth upwards of one hundred fifty thousand each now. Wow. And, you know, he's able to do that himself, and that's something I'm working on. I've got multiple properties on multiple, you know, on multiple properties on a single street, which is great because I'm starting to push that value up. I'm pushing the, you know, the average. Yeah. Um, 
your portfolio, I, I know you said 55 properties. Are those all single families or are there any multifamilies in there? They're all single family, right? So we have, okay. we've wanted to get into multifamily for years, but it's just where we're at, the, the values are just crazy. And we can't, we can't justify spending money on those yet for what, for what the return is. And we've gotten really good at single family. They're all three twos or four twos, uh, you know, between 1,300 and 2,000 square feet. Uh, all okay. built from like 1978 to about 1990. Okay. Uh, um, and so, uh, you know, you know, we always hear stories of people saying, oh, I got into multifamily. I'm so happy. I never had to deal with single family again, but we found a niche with single family and it's been really good for us. And so we're just not, you know, we're comfortable in it. We're making money. So we're not really ready to take the jump yet in the multifamily. Right. Well, Hey, if it's working for you, then, you know, stick to it. I mean, everyone yeah. has their own, I mean, some people do syndications or, or, you know, right. apartment buildings, they won't touch a single family where right. you're the other way around. You're like, <laughs> I can run single families all day, you know, and that's just the way you do it. Now, these properties that you're getting, I know when you said you started out, you're looking, you know, they're all ready to go. You said, quote unquote, AKA yeah. turnkey. When you're looking at properties now, are you looking for more properties that you know, our value add projects that are rehabs, are you still buying turnkeys or a combo of both? Totally, totally value add. So what, what we, we buy about 80% of our deals now are from, as I'm sure you've heard yellow letters, right? So we mail yep. yellow letters to, to investors and typically we're targeting investors that have owned properties since, you know, the mid nineties or even earlier. And they're, they're tired of being a landlord. They want to pass the torch to the next generation or they've, you know, they have so much deferred maintenance on a place and they had a, 15 year tenant move out and they don't want to, you know, make the place nice again, they'll sell it to us for a discount and uh, you know, we'll pay cash and then um, or close quick. And then we'll put 10, you know, between five and $15,000 into the place to get it uh, kind of rent ready again. And right, then, right. Uh, and then, and then, and then go with that, go through that um, methodology. Okay. Now, are you guys doing any flips as well? Or are you guys just doing um, rentals yeah. for the most part? So sometimes on those yellow letters, we'll get all kinds of crazy deals, right? And so um, we did flip one uh, just a few months ago. I had a pool, really nice house. Uh, the, ten the tenant was crazy. And the, the landlord could not get that tenant out. And it was his only house, right? Besides the one he lived in. And so he's like, I can't deal with this. Anyone, please take this house from me. So we bought it at a discount. I think we paid uh, you know, 90, just low nineties for it. And we convinced that lady to move within uh, a month. You know, we gave her cash, we gave her a deposit back if she would just leave and she did. And we, you know, we cleaned that place up. And for us, we don't rent houses with pools. It's just too much of a risk for us in terms of, maintenance oh, of and liability and all that stuff. Yeah. And you don't get any extra rent in our market. And so we, we listed that thing for one sixty-five, and we sold it within a week. Right. There you so, go. So that, so for us, it's typically, we love to hold it if we can, but if it, if it's too big or it has a pool or if it just is too nice for, for us, right, we'll right. flip it. Right. So we've had some where we've, they're just too nice an area and it makes sense to, to pocket 50, 60, 70 grand up front, you know, and pay the taxes or whatever, rather than to make it a rental and let it ride for, for years. Of course. One of the, um, one of the gentlemen that I've had on the podcast, I just recently read his book and I do a lot, uh, networking wise with him, David Dodge, he says it best. He, he, you know, he does wholesaling, he does rentals, you know, he does flips. He does a lot of marketing campaigns, direct marketing, banded signs. I mean, you name it. And he says, you know, keep the best and sell the rest. And it's so true. You know, any yeah. deal you can get your hand on, go for it. And just different exit strategies, you know, right. this one, you know, we'll buy, we'll put 20, 
30 grand into it and then we'll, we'll sell it, you know, hundred percent above what we bought it for and, and take the profit or, Hey, we got it so low and it makes sense as a rental. It's the right market. The numbers work. We'll take it as that. Exactly. And I think that's pretty cool. So you said you use um, yellow letters. That's direct marketing campaign. Yep. I'm going to go kind of numb with it. And I'm going to ask you to explain what direct sure. marketing campaign is just for those that don't know. So we call them yellow letters because they're printed on very simple uh, yellow pieces of paper that are lined like a notebook piece of paper that you like a letter you would get from your grandma. Right. And so uh, it doesn't look like business communication. It doesn't look like junk mail. We, we, we uh, stuff them in normal envelopes and we use a font that looks like a, like a handwriting. So it looks right. like a handwritten letter on the outside of the letter and on the text of the letter itself. Uh, and we use, uh, we actually build our own lists. Uh, I'm an IT guy by trade, big data. Uh, my, my partner's an attorney, so we're a pretty good match. And so we, I mine the, the tax data, our public tax data, and I can, through, through our methods, I can kind of target exactly uh, exi the kind of houses we want. So I know the size of the house. I know the age of the house. I know the zip code, obviously the location. I know if it has a right. pool or not. Uh, I know the owner when they last refinanced it or sold it. So I can tell how much equity somebody has within reason, right? In terms of time. And so I can target people that say have eight or nine years of, of equity or more. Uh, and that's important. I'll explain in a minute. And so we target, you know, we send about a thousand letters a month and these are all people who we also know from the tax records don't live in the house. They're called non-owner occupied or uh, yeah. So they're not occupied. Or absentee by the owner. Owner. Yeah, exactly. Or absentee. Exactly. And so that means that these, it's not their people's primary resident most likely. And so they're more, more likely to be able to, you know, part ways with it easily. Uh, and so at least in our experience. And so we send those letters out to these people uh, and then we, they call a Google voice number. So we're not getting tons of calls, you know, to our personal lines. And we ask them to leave a very detailed voice message. And 99% of the time they always do. It's not, it's crazy how well it works. It sounds so simple and so dumb. It's almost uh, like too good to be call. true, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, and sometimes the people call and they're just kicking the tires. They would just want to know. Right. But a lot of times these people are, uh, you know, they paid a lot less for this house years ago. They are done with it. Maybe they need money for, a, you know, for something else or, you know, they just want to get rid of it. They're out of state or maybe they inherited the house from a, a relative or whatever. And so what they have when they call us is some type of pain point. And our ability to solve their pain by giving them money quickly without using a realtor, without doing an inspection per se, uh, is very attractive to them. And so uh, that's, so we can usually buy these houses at 30, sometimes 40% less than market. Obviously they have some, you know, some, they're rough around the edges sometimes. Oh, but, of course. Yeah. And then you want yeah. those. Yeah, we want those. And then we're able to use our expertise to, bring them up to value very quickly and at a, at a less price. Right. And so right. at least in our area, for whatever reason, so many people hate realtors. And so being able to sell a house without a realtor is very attractive to them. And I can say that cause I'm a realtor. I know you're, you're one yep. as well. Right. And yes, so, exactly. But, but not having it. to go through the MLS <laughs> and deal with all the paperwork and everything, uh, being able to be told, Hey, we can close in 10 days. And you know, we're not going to do an inspection outside of just walking through the house once. Uh, right. It'd be very attractive to these people. So we're targeting these owners who have kind of, you know, for whatever reason, need cash or they just want to be done with the house. So I want to touch on that. Yeah. So 
real big point out of everything you just said there, what I want people to take away from is again, David Dodge says it, you know, discount for a convenience. You're, yes. you're providing a convenience for these sellers and therefore you're receiving a discount from it. When you say you're buying properties for 20, 30, 40% under market value or the value of the home, you're giving them a convenience. They're not having to go on the MLS. They're not having to work with an agent. They don't have to pay realtor fees. The house doesn't have to be marketed. They don't have to have 10, 20, 30 groups of people come through. They don't have to negotiate contracts. They don't have to, they don't have to fix financing. Anything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's quick and clean. And that's, you know, on our bandit signs, I, I think it's something of the nature as uh, quick cash as is, you know, right. cut and dry to the point. It's quick. Exactly. We're going to close as fast as the title company is going to let us. It's cash. You don't have to wait for financing. You don't have to have a bank make repairs. You're going to get a check right away. And as is, don't lift a paintbrush, you know, don't even fix a piece of trim on the house. We're going to take it as is. So you're trading, you know, discount for a convenience and that's huge. Right. And the point that I mentioned about targeting people with equity, then they know they can sell it at a discount because they don't have a loan that's, you know, that they signed a year ago for roughly the market value of the house, right? They've right. made payments for eight years. Yeah. They're not upside down. They don't have to bring any money to closing. Uh, they're still going to get a little bit of check or, or break even at closing. And a lot of times these guys are happy with that because they made yep. cash flow for years and they just want to be done. Right. right and right. so um, it, it is finding those people who are motivated, right. As you said, who were motivated for the convenience. Yeah, no, that's good. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that equity standpoint because people are probably like, well, what's it matter if they have equity? You know, we're just going to take it off their hands. It's like, well, not everyone wants to bring 10, 20 grand to the table. Right. To close, or they can't. Know? Most people right. can't. Exactly. Yeah. People yeah. don't have cash reserves, especially in today's day and age as you think it would be. Um, when you're acquiring these properties, are you ever refinancing, pulling out the money or, or how does a structure look? When you guys go into Always. a deal and buy it cash, how are you guys going about that? Yeah. So I'll walk you through one. So let's say we buy a house for $80,000. Uh, and so we'll pay cash. We have at beginning, we used um, friend, you know, very wealthy friends who had money sitting around. We never went the hard money around. I called it medium money. We would, we would borrow money from our friends and give them, we didn't pay any points, but we'd pay, we'd give, we'd guarantee them three months of 10% interest, right? Okay. So they made a little bit. It was better than the 2% they were making in their savings account. Uh, you know, it was, it was, it was exciting for them. To don't mean to interrupt you. Guaranteed yeah. three months, 10%, meaning you can't pay off the note earlier and they don't get the full interest. Is that what you're referring to? Or how right. are you So in, in this case, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar loan you know, 10% would be, uh, you know, on APR on, on one. So it'd usually be about $3,000, $4,000 that they'd get right, uh, okay. know, over the course of, of three months. So if we didn't need to get, so sometimes we could close these deals and refi them out within like 40 days. Uh, right. We and they wouldn't get that full. At least 90 days. Okay. So I, I get that. And again, I, I don't mean to interrupt. I just want to no, specify please. it for the listeners. Yeah. So I, I like that. So again, what he's saying folks, just so you guys understand is instead of prepaying the loan, or the private money or the medium money uh, lender off earlier. They're not getting the full 10% or they're, they're really getting next to nothing on their money. You know, I, uh, if you did it in 40 days, it's like one or 2%. Right. You're no giving them, it's, not it's technically time. like 3%, but that's a, a minimum of three months. So you can, they can get even more than that. So they're looking, even though it's a 10% APR, they're getting a minimum of let's say 3% on their money. We'll say Correct. for the most part. Okay. And, keep and going. that was, and the opportunity cost was nothing for them because they were just sitting these are oil guys in Houston who just set their money in, uh, you know, high yield savings accounts, you know, not very right. exciting stuff. So this is exciting to them. So okay. we would do that at first. Now we're able to, we have lines of credit ourselves and we have cash reserves. So we'll buy a house for $80,000 cash. Uh, and then we'll put uh, money into it if we need to. So we'll paint the place, change the floors out, 
maybe you know fix some uh, change the light fixtures whatever and let's say we, let's say that's uh ten thousand dollars so now we're in at ninety thousand uh, dollars we can then go to our bank our local regional bank so this isn't a big a big bank these are our small regional banks and they will lend to us on appraised value that's the secret right so then they go in and they do an appraisal an in-house appraisal that says LTV oh, versus yes. LTC, right? Correct. They'll say, Hey, this house is worth $130,000. We'll give you 80% of that. Right. Nice. And so, okay, great. And those, well, that's like $105,000. You're like, well, actually we only need 90. Right. And they're like, right, oh, right. You're so conservative. Right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> we love you guys. <laughs> yeah. And so then they'll give us 90,000. Sometimes we take a little bit more, let's say 95. Um, so they'll give us $95,000. Well, we aren't, we're only in this house 90, right? And then, um, you know, and th these are 20 year notes. We do 20 year notes on all of our properties because that's what our commercial okay. lenders are doing. Right, uh, right. Yep. With five year, uh, they're not balloons, just five year arms. So every okay, five so years, it's just rate, rate every five years. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so it's been really good for us. And so that is, so we can grow as fast as we can find the deals, right? So, right. That refi only takes about mm, 30 to 45 days. And we could start that immediately. They just need to know that there will be a tenant in there ASAP, right? Which right, is, because which it's a stabilized have. property. Exactly. Um, you got it. Something I want to touch on again for the listeners is you guys are only taking, you're in it for 90, you're taking 95 from the bank. Yeah, yeah maybe, usually about the same amount. We usually like to break even. Right, but they, yeah. but you're pocketing five thousand dollars, so this yes. is all tax free. When you do a cash Correct. refinance, Correct. that's the beauty. I mean, there is literally no better method than this. You're pulling it out, so eighty percent of let's say that property is one thirty is one hundred four. Correct. You could really pocket fourteen thousand dollars, but you're being conservative. You're not. Yeah, we want it to unquote, cash flow well. Over leverage yourself, yeah, you know exactly. And you want it to cash flow well. You want to have a good, you know, a good cap rate, cash on cash return as well, which your cash on cash is unlimited, so it doesn't even matter. It's exactly. <laughs> and you're able to even maybe take that five thousand, do less of a private money lending, so you're not paying interest on it, and and put it into another deal. Because let's say, what you're at four and a half percent maybe with your loan. Like where do you think you're yep. at? Interest yeah, we're at four and three quarters. You're real close. Yep. Exactly. So you're paying four and three quarters on the extra five thousand you took out versus that 10%, but you're looking at, you know, the 3%, it, it, it all comes down. And we talk about this so quick because we understand it. So we yeah. apologize to the listeners. I bet people are, like, heads are spinning, <sighs> but, but it basically is the Burr method, but yep. we are very, we sometimes do it out of order <laughs> because of just our ability. Cause a lot of times we'll buy these houses with tenants already in them. Right. right? And they'll move out years later and then we do the rehab, but we've already pulled out the money when we did the refi 30 days later. Right. So, um, but the idea is to take out as much money as possible, uh, where it still cash flows in an acceptable manner. Yeah. Right. And I mean, even and, if you move yeah. the burr around, it's still yeah. burr. It still it's still spells burr, right? right? All the R's. You never know which <laughs> R you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> now, but that, with... but so that, that is really the secret for us. And it took us years to figure that out only because, uh, that, at least for us, the ability to be able to refi at appraised value without some seasoning period took a very special banking relationship that we, we probably went through 25 banks to find that wow. uh, in our, in our Houston. Most people won't do it. Right. And it's either, I don't, you know, it's just, they're not, it's too risky for them. Uh, well, at first we started with this. Refi? That? Well, they won't do the 80% refi. They won't do the 80% refi. It took you 25 to find it. Right. Well, they want, they want it to sit a year or they'll only do oh, a so refi. Oh, so season period. Okay. Yeah. They don't like that you're 
a lot of banks don't like that you're getting money for free, essentially, what we just talked about, right? They want right. you to have skin in the game. And I'm like, well, listen, the house is really worth this amount, right? And so they'll usually only, a lot of the banks will do the, the, the lesser of the appraised value or your cost plus rehab, right? Right. So yeah, to it, yeah. loan LTC, so loan to cost or loan to value. So exactly. we want loan to value because that's money that we're not into it for. It's a larger amount. Yep. Loan to cost, we're always going to leave money on the deal. We don't want that. We, right. we never want that. So right. that's you what we're talking about. Too quick then. Exactly. That's when we say LTC, LTV, loan to cost versus loan to value, we always want loan to value. Now with everything going on in the economy right now with COVID, all that good stuff, we're not going to get into it because everyone's talking about it. Are you <laughs> concerned though, that some of these lenders aren't going to be doing refis or even 80% refis? So we just did one last week and I was worried because uh, you know, because this is all new territory. But she was, she said to us, listen, she goes, you know, in our case, she said, you're one of the more stable borrowers that we have. And so we're happy to lend to, to people like you who have a, a, a squeaky clean balance sheet, essentially. Right. Uh, and so we have another one scheduled in May. There's a yellow letter from, a, from an, uh, an elderly woman who, it's her house, she's lived there 30 years and she's having to move to be closer to family. Nice. And so we're hoping that this, um, you know, that this process will go through again. And our, our banker has given us no indication that there shouldn't be a problem. But, uh, you know, I was worried because this is a house we bought with cash. Right. And so we've got, you know, 80 grand tied up in this house <laughs> that should be, you know, part of our process. We should be able to get it right back out. And so that'll be, uh, you know, I'll be a little stressed out if I can't get my money back out quickly. I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, literally a week before this whole COVID thing came off, you know, I purchased a property, $42,000 cash, all private money putting 50,000 into it, all private lenders for the yeah. most part. Some of it's grand. part of our reserves. Exactly. We're, we're in this property for over 90,000 and we're a little concerned, you know, we're not gonna be able to do the 80% cash out refinance that we're, you know, that planning. we're planning on doing. Right. And here I am, you know, texting my lender, text my lender, call my lender. Hey, he's like, you guys still doing this? Like, is this still going on? You guys still doing refis? Like, yeah, we're, we're still good. He's like, not sure what's going to happen, but we're still good. You know, they're still good. And that's what I'm checking in on. Still marching ahead, right? Exactly. I'm telling my contractors, I'm like, get this done now. Like I want to pull the money out yesterday. Well, and for us, I mean, the, the one, the most bizarre thing is we, we went to the title company to sign. And of course the title company building is closed for this whole thing. So we did it in a parking garage. She had a table out there and everything. <laughs> there you go. It's like we were doing a drug deal or something out in the parking lot. Uh, but you know, it's, it's strange times for sure. Right. It, you got to, you got to do what you got to do to get the deals yeah. done. And I like that. Um, talk to us. And again, cause a lot of the investors on here, they're always looking to get started. They're looking to mm -hmm. move forward. Talk to us about that first deal that you guys did. I know it was more turnkey, but sure. how'd you find it? How'd you fund it? And what the numbers look like? Yeah. So that one was $90,000. And that, let me, you want to hear that one or the first one that me and Dave did? I'll, I'll probably do both. I'll, I'll uh, yeah, do both. I'll, we got time. Uh, I will, um, you can see the juxtaposition. So that first one was $90,000. We each put in, there were five of us. It was an interest only loan, like I said. And so it was, it was underwritten by, by Fannie still. So they had the same underwriting guidelines, but it was required 30% down. So that was the hit. Wow. So we each paid. So the total was like $27,000, right? Uh, so we each paid about five grand, a little over five grand. Um, but our payment was like 90 bucks. Right. And so and we uh, managed that property ourselves. And we can talk about it if you want, but we built all kinds of systems. We manage all 55 of these ourselves too, which is pretty crazy. Right, you save so, 8 um, to 10% each month on that. Exactly. And, and that's, that's been our thing is that 
the amount of work I do in terms of hours and time does not equate to 10% yet for me. Cause I mean, 10% on, uh, you know, it's, it's like 60, well, it's like $65,000 a year, you know, that right. we figured out. And so I'm like, I'm not, you got 200 units. It's a different story. Yeah. And so anyway, so, so, so that, so that property, and then we, we listed the house on um, the MLS because Dave, my partner was a realtor, so we could list it to, to rent. And we, I think we rented it for at that point, probably $1,100. Right. And so, uh, and then we had a tenant for several years on that one. It was great. Uh, fast forward uh, two years later, Dave and I got a little more creative. Now this one's a crazy story. We bought a house. I think it was house number six total, but the first one that Dave and I were doing by ourselves. And we, we bought this house off the MLS for $40,000. And it was a three, two, uh, probably 1500 square feet, but it had foundation issues. Okay. Mm. So foundation issues. And, and in Texas, most of the foundations are slab. Mm. Uh, and sometimes okay. with clay soil and dry summers, it can, you know, kind of wreak havoc on the, on the slab. And so in this house, she, the, the owner had gotten a bid that it was going to take $60,000 to fix. Right. Oh. Right. And so, so Dave, and I'm still new at this, right. Dave was like, Oh man, we can do it for cheaper than that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So we offered 40 and we got it. And this is the kind of house where the doors wouldn't shut. Right. You know, you could right. feel like you were walking downhill in the house, you know, there are cracks in the walls, just, you know, a really good one to cut my teeth on. And so um, <laughs> we find a guy through, through some uh, mutual friends who said he could do it for $5,000. And oh I'm just my like, gosh. I'm like, are you, this is crazy. There's no way this can be, could be true. And sure enough, I went over there one day when he was working on it and he had dug like a two by two foot hole in the middle of the living room. There was a pile of dirt, like four feet high in the living room. <laughs> I'm like, what have we done? <laughs> you know? So now we're into this house, you know, $45,000. It's not livable. Uh, when they jacked it, they had to raise it up with the piers that they use. They had to raise it about eight inches oh and on the back gosh. corner. And it raised it so high, it popped the electrical box off the, off the pole, right? And so it sparked one everywhere. Anyway, anyway, so there was this whole story. And I'm like, what are we doing? But he did it for 5000 It was totally level. We put all new tile floors in. We painted it. Uh, we fixed the electrical box and then, so that house is now worth a hundred grand and we're in it. Maybe, maybe uh, let's call it 60. Um, wow. And so Dave who had bought the house in his name, and this is I know it's probably people's heads are spinning, but he had paid six. So now we're in it all 60. He sold it to me and we, we verified with our CPA. He said that was totally legal. He sold it to me for, you know, a, roughly around a hundred and we pulled out 80% of that. You know, wow. so we pulled out 80 grand and now we've pocketed 20 total. Right. right. And so that 20, we then used as our seed money to help us start this journey uh, where we bought the next one. Right. And so in our first 10 or 15 that we bought, we'd have to, we'd have to flip about every third house to get cash for a down payment for the next one. Right. 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 And it was, and that was so painful for us because it was like, like giving away one of your children right yeah yeah <laughs> we didn't want to sell these but we had to we hadn't figured out this burn method we didn't have the clout we didn't have the relationships yet and so uh that's really how we started so that one that that uh foundation house rented we still own that one today it rents for uh 1350 now back then it was probably 1050 um and so uh but those you know that that first one is really how we got our our seed money and how we got kind of brave enough to do some of these more aggressive uh, uh, repairs, if you will. 
Oh yeah. I mean, you yeah. definitely get more comfortable as time goes on. And I was one of those guys when I first started buying, I was doing, you know, 20% down on everything. I was doing, you know, commercial loans on everything, which commercial is fine, but I wasn't doing anything. I was buying, you know, turnkey properties. I was evaluating properties sure. and saying, Hey, you know, I can't pay this amount because it doesn't make sense. But if, you know, if we can come down five, $10,000, then it's turnkey property it makes sense. I'm at, you know, a 10, 11% cap rate, 8%, 9% cap rate. My cash on cash is, you know, 15% or higher. That meets my requirements. Let's do it. Yeah. And here's my 20% sitting inside this property for, you know, a minimum of three, four five, six years that I'm never going to see it back. Yeah. I get depreciation. I get some tax benefits some write-offs, but at the end of the day, what people have to understand is that capital is locked in that money. Exactly. It's working for you, but it's never leaving that factory. Those workers are never leaving that factory yep, where stuck. with this Burr method, this way, you know, when you're, you're buying at a discount, you know, make sure you're below that 80% or 70% loan to value. Now those workers, your money is working at different factories. They're, you know, they're traveling, they're, they're done at this project. They're done at that factory. They're mobile. The next one. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's how you want to do it. You want to deploy them. So they're working more and more. And that's, it, it gets tough because sometimes when I do see a property that's all done and ready to go, I look at it and I'm like, that is beautiful. I, you know, I'd love to own that. It's in a great location. The numbers make sense. But then I'm just like, no, like get out of it. You know, <laughs> don't do it. You know, <laughs> it doesn't fit the model. <laughs> exactly. So get away from that. Um, how are you guys? Like, I know you guys said you're self-managing. How are you managing the properties from a number standpoint? Are you guys pen to paper, like keeping track of everything? Spreadsheets to use? Yeah. So, Polio, Buildium, what do you use? We, we've looked at a lot of software, but um, it just doesn't fit our model specifically. And so, you know, so we use Excel and we use it, you know, we probably maxed out Excel to do crazy things, right? But it works for us. And so we have a, uh, not a, we have a sheet, if you will, for each property tracks the income, tracks the expenses. And so we know at a moment's notice if a property is a dog or if it's performing well, right? So if we need, if it's a dog, we need to figure out, well, why is it, why are there so many repairs or what is the rent too low or what's going on? Is the tenant bad? And so we track everything that way. And then from a management standpoint, um, uh, from a, from a repair standpoint, we have our favorite contractors we use uh, they're all on speed dial with texting. I mean, I can run my whole business from my smartphone, right? And so right. Um, we use Slack and they can, they, uh, we, we create a new ticket, if you will, in Slack and say, this is the address. Here's the tenant. Please call them and, uh, you know, send us pictures of the problem and then we can pay them electronically with Zelle. And so that, that, that has been so important to us because we never have to visit the properties and our, our contractors do all the work. Yeah. This is a perfect example of what you're showing. Right. Yeah. So as you're talking, I just want you to kind of see, because this is the same way I do it. And if I put this oh, yeah. on, you'll be able to see is it's per property. So you got the property just, it tells you each month how much each apartment's bringing in. It, this has garages to it, additional income. So your total income, your income, your expenses, and then how much per month, you know, you're profiting off this property. So is this like something you do? Exactly. And yeah. exactly. And, and to the penny, right? So we know uh, where everything goes. And if we have a kind of a shared expense, we'll, we'll kind of divide it evenly or whatever. But, right. uh, but yes, this, this is very similar to ours. Yeah. So I do this for each of the properties. I mean, I'm a spreadsheets guy. I've oh, yeah. tried using, you know, some property management softwares and I haven't found that it works the best. So I'll use yeah. something like this. It, I'll, I'll use um, Podio to keep track right. of my leads. I'll yep. keep track of my leads in that. But as far as, you know, spreadsheets go, 
I think they're the best way because you can keep track of, of everything. So we look over, you know, here's a property that we're, we're rehabbing right now is I can go over here. I can see the budget for everything we're spending. I, I can see, you know, where we're predicted and where we're actually at. Oh, yeah. As far as expenses go, I can see it all here and I can see where it's being borrowed from holding costs, purchase fees, everything we're doing to the property. You can calculate out how it's going to look. I can keep track of all the rehab and then I can, my contractors access this as well. So we know the item number of where we're getting the product from, how much it's going to be, you know, something like that, yep. I think. And it, that's not me trying to show off. I'm just trying to, you know, no, this is exactly, this is what people need to see because this is people never know how to get started. Right. And for us, we, we kind of evolved it over years and we tie it, everything back. Dave ties every expense back to our, our bank account. So we know exactly that it matches. Right. So that way at the end, there's no lost funds. Everything's accounted for. And we know which factories are per, performing well and which ones aren't so it's exactly. the only way we always say uh what's what what gets uh, measured gets managed right and so exactly you can't you can't manage it well if you don't measure it so it's important to to, to to measure it this way so you can tell if you're doing well or not so we talked about how you find your deals you're using uh letter hq which is or excuse me yellow, uh, yellow letters which is awesome so that's direct marketing and you said you look through the tax records to find these deals that you're defining these properties, correct? The leads. Yeah. The, okay. the, the target market, the target, uh, the target list. Yep. How much are you guys spending like per letter roughly? Yeah. So for us, we have a deal. I mean, our deal, <clears throat> it's probably just under a dollar, right? So we, with the okay. stamp is obviously 50 cents or so. And then we get our leads down. I want to say to 40 cents, uh, a letter. And, and that includes, so they print them, they, uh, you know, they give us the envelopes and everything. I make my kids stuff them, <laughs> pay them a little something. To oh, so, so when you order them, they don't get shipped out directly. You get them like to your house and you have to ship them. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, they will, they can do that, but they charge extra for that. And I feel like, so me and Dave both, have, I have four boys and Dave has three kids. And so we're trying to, you know, involve our kids to kind of understand this business at the, at the slightest level at least so they can understand what's happening here and hopefully oh, they understand you know maybe take the reins or at least understand what what's happening <laughs> right and i it's funny you say that because you know my my father my parents you know no one in my family does real estate investing so when my kids come around and you know yeah. I, I i just got married last month and i saw that congrats yeah. man that's awesome thank you yeah <laughs> so once i have kids and they see me doing this i put them to work they're gonna be so much more well off than i was because you know, I'm 22. Start, right? I'm They'll doing be further this now. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. When they're, when they're 15 years old, they're going to darn well, you're going to bet they went through every single one of my real estate books and they're going to know the stuff better than I did before they can even drive a car and, right. and they're going to do it right. And I think that's, that's huge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, All so right. yeah, so we, those letters, so I would say it's just below a dollar. We have looked at a, I forget what it is, is a lead Sherpa. Cause we get, I myself get tons of those drop texts from people wanting to buy our properties. Um, right. So we are looking into that as, you know, technology changes and whatnot, but so that's something on the horizon for us. I think we're going to try eventually. Okay. Awesome. Are you familiar with that? The lead Sherpa? I, I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. I haven't used it. I haven't utilized yeah, I, it, but I know people that have, yeah. I, it, it's tough because in this business, there's so many good programs. There's so much good, you know, technology right. and it's like, I want to try it all out, but I'm, exactly. I'm good where I'm at, but am I missing exactly. out on something? Yeah, the letters are working. Why would we change it? But maybe there's a whole market of people we're not tapping into yet, right? So yeah, it's, exactly. 
Yeah, it's, it's all about time. If we had more, if I had infinite amount of time, I'd, I'd do all kinds of things, right? <laughs> try it out. Try it all out. Yeah. Now, yeah. do you have anything else? We're going to switch into another segment here. Do you have anything else you'd like to touch on? Anything you'd like to talk about? Or is that good for the moment? I think one thing that it's important for us, at least how we measure these deals, we look at the rent to, uh, <clears throat> rent to price ratio, right? And you're familiar with that, I'm sure, is the, yep. the 1% rule, right? It was the old, the old school rule. And so we look at whenever we need to look at a deal, we, we use that primarily to kind of finger in the air, measure it. And so for us, and so for your listeners, that's the rent amount you can get every month. So let's say a thousand dollars divided by your all in price uh, for a property. So, you know, buying plus rehab. So in yep. the old days, if a thousand dollar rent on a hundred thousand dollar house, that was the, that's 1%, a thousand divided by a hundred thousand. Yep. And that was, you know, you were pretty, doing pretty good if you had 1%. For us in our market, we shoot for uh, 1.25 and higher. And so it's pretty okay. aggressive. So a lot of ours are 1.3s, 1.4. So if you take an $80,000 house and you pay <clears throat> and you, you know, get it in for 90,000 and it rents for 1350, do the math on that real quick. Yep. It, uh, <clears throat> you can see that that ratio is pretty good, right? So 1350 divided by 90,000 is a uh, 1.5, right? So okay. that's crazy. That's, you know, that's, yeah, there. that's really hot. And so those are what we shoot for uh, consistently. And that has helped us really stay ahead of any uh, hardships in terms of surprise repairs or bad tenants or uh, crazy taxes or whatever. Uh, right. And it's what we say is we, we make all our money on the buy, right? So as long as we pay a good amount for it, you know, a low amount, then it's really hard to mess up a deal in our opinion, as long as those, so that rent to price ratio is, is a metric that we use kind of as a bellwether to track what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, you, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. I mean, exactly. that's, that's the best way I hear it. And again, that's the David Dodge guy that I listened to and he says that. Yep. Um, okay. So cool. we're going to switch into our next segment. It's called the curious cues. I'm going to fire off some questions at you and you just answer them with, you know, what you think. Okay. All right. Uh, first question is favorite podcast. Ooh, favorite podcast. Does it have to be real estate related? It doesn't have to be. No. So I like um, reply all it's an IT podcast, right? And so they, they answer all kinds of crazy. It's two guys. And they did one the other day where some guy had a had this, mind meld where he's like remembering this song from the 90s and nobody no one online no lyric engine nothing could recognize it it's like he didn't remember it and they go on this journey and they find the song and it did exist anyway so they do all kinds of cool stuff but yeah reply all is great uh, i love that podcast okay awesome so i'll check that out it's pretty cool yeah. um favorite book favorite book so for me it's an old school one um <clears throat> the slight edge it's called Okay, and this one, it's a self, it's productivity book, but the idea that small incremental changes add up to huge changes over time, right? It sounds obvious, but uh, right. it's such a uh, inspirational book for me. I read it about once a year, but the idea that you know, if if you don't brush your teeth for three days, you know, you're probably gonna have bad breath and it's gross, but it's not the end of the world. But if you don't brush your teeth for six months, right? you're going to have a problem. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's the same idea, whether, you know, in life, if you, if you don't work out every day for six months, you know, or if you work out every day for three days, it's no big deal. But, you know, so I apply that, you know, in real estate for doing the things that matter uh, in life, whether it's, you know, spiritual or physical or, or financial, those changes add up to huge um, 
you know, differentials that we can't really fathom in our brains uh, until it's been over time, right? And so uh, The Slight Edge, love that book. Right. Okay. Awesome recommendation. Uh, biggest hurdle you've had to overcome in real estate? Uh, let's see. Biggest hurdle. I think this is, this one's kind of interesting. So for me, it's managing, since we manage all these properties as well as, uh, you know, buying and selling them and all that, it's managing my day job, which I still have with this and my family, right? So making sure that I'm giving enough time to my family who I love and is the most important thing, right. but uh, at the same time, giving the attention to this kind of it started off as a hobby or a side hustle and it's come be turned into a full fledged business, but at this, and then also giving honest time to my, my career. Right. So at some that point life balance, yeah, work life balance. And so um, that has been, I think the biggest challenge in terms of just figuring that out. And there's been a lot of, and it, it's a double edged sword because I love the smartphone, but it can also be a total time suck with yeah. it's always with you. And so um, that is something I'm, constantly trying to to master uh as i as we keep going through this journey okay that's good that's good your favorite part of investing in real estate i love the negotiation so when we yeah. when we get a you know if it's like fishing once you get a once you get a bite on that hook i love reeling it in right and so that's that's my favorite part. <laughs> okay. So, no, that's fun. Yeah. And so once we have a live one and, or, or even watching my partner do it, right. It's just, it's so exciting to, to go through that process. Yeah. One girl I had on the podcast one time was her and her husband. Her husband's like, yeah, you know, I like, you know, you know, analyzing deals, checking stuff out. And she's like the money. She's like, I love the money. You know? yeah. I'm just like, the yeah, money. there it well, is. You know, someone comes out and says it. <laughs> well, and I think you're right. I think, and I, you're, you're probably exposed the true thing. I think more than anything, I love watching, uh, you know, what they call mailbox money, but right. just the idea that this pie is growing with, you know, effort from me, but not nearly as much effort as what money is coming in, in my opinion. Right. And so that's why I continue mm -hmm. to do it. And so, because it's, it's worth it to me. So yeah, that's a good point. That's good stuff. Okay. Uh, biggest hero. Ooh, biggest hero. I'd probably say my dad, my dad's awesome. Right. So he, uh, he, he lives in a little town up North of Tyler, Texas. And you know, he was, a he lived in, um, or he had the same job his whole life. He was a, grocery store executive and uh, for a grocery company. And just, he taught me all kinds of important uh, life lessons and, you know, how to be ethical and how to, how to be kind. So I right, think right. that's, uh, you know, that, that example has been something that's lived on in me and hopefully something I can teach my kids as well. So that's awesome. Dad. Now, does your dad know how much you've scaled with the business, all that stuff he sees? Yes. It? In fact, he'll probably awesome. listen to this podcast. <laughs> but, Sweet. Good. But, you know, but it's interesting. Yeah, hey, what's because, going on, dad? How are you? <laughs> yeah. But it's a generational thing, right? So uh, he definitely was not necessarily a, a huge risk taker, right? But he, we always had enough and we always, and so it's interesting to me to know, I don't know where my entrepreneurial spirit came from because it just kind of emerged one day. And so it definitely didn't come from, from my parents, but they're, they're totally supportive of it. So that's cool. But, but uh, I'll take everything else he gave me for sure. I'll claim. There you go. Awesome. We'll we'll say hi, Dad, when he uh, stops by the podcast and he listens. <laughs> yeah. I, favorite non real estate related hobby. Uh, 
Wow. See, this, this is funny because we joke about this, that I don't have any other hobbies. My wife, she goes, your hobby is making money. And she makes oh, fun of me. Oh, tell me but, about it, man. No. My wife says the same exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> I would say probably, um, I mean, if you, I don't know if you could, I don't know if this is a, vi- a video podcast, but I do like working out. I, uh, I didn't buy a Peloton, but our, our local gym got a Peloton <laughs> recently. And I use that thing. I'm sad because I can't use it right now because of this Corona thing. But right. that thing has really helped me get out of, get off the couch and, and uh, you know, get sweating. So I would say working out and trying to, trying to get my heart rate up so that I can be healthy, so that I can enjoy this, this for a long time. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Peloton. Send this man a bike ASAP. <laughs> Your subscription <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, newbie advice. So advice you give to someone that's new looking to get started into real estate. Yeah, for, so you'll hear a lot of the opposite of this, but for me, I think finding a partner is key. And so, and obviously the right partner, but Dave and I have been just, it's one plus one equals three for us, right? So we, we have so many uh, like views, but anytime I have an idea that's half crazy, I'll run it by him and he'll say, he'll, he'll tone me down or vice versa. And he'll say, hey, Chris, why don't we sell all these? And we'll be like, well, let's not do that, right? Or whatever. And so, but, but it's so much more fun with a partner in terms of being able to discuss and kind of plan and uh, right, know, right. Whether you take over the world or whatever. And so getting a partner and a lot of people I talk to say, Hey, I don't have any money. I want to get in real estate. I said, well, then find somebody with money and you be the, the elbow grease guy, right? Or right. The, the money so, versus labor partner. Really. Yeah. And you go be the, the action. But I think finding a partner and getting into it with someone who you can trust so that you can go through the hard times together and kind of talk through it. So, you know, you're not alone. Uh, it just makes it more fun. And so def- definitely get a partner if you're going to start this, start on a journey like this. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Now your partner, Dave, how, I'm sorry, you may have said it earlier and I may have forgotten. How'd you, did you guys know each other prior to, how'd you guys meet? No. So it's a good point. So <laughs> he had moved in from Lubbock to Houston and we met at a, we, we both go to the same church, but it was the first weekend he had kind of moved here and he was in a different office. I worked at a chemical company. He worked for a law firm. We just happened to go to lunch through some mutual friends and, you know, we kind of just really um, kind of melded together there and our families, we go on vacations together now. Uh, you know, our kids are roughly the same age. Nice. Uh, we do a lot of stuff together. And so it was, it was just kind of a match made there, but we have a, a lot of the same interests, the same kind of risk profile, same kind of familial uh, goals, if you will. And so, right. Um, yeah, it was, we didn't know each other, but once we figured out that we were going to work well together, we have been together ever since. Now, how long after you guys met, did you start business together? So I would say like I that first group of five people, we started pretty quick, right? So we met in 2013 and we kind of, the other four guys I knew, the other three guys I knew. And so he was kind of the new guy to the group because he just moved to Houston. And so it was probably three months after we had that infamous business lunch where we decided we wanted to, you know, delve into real estate that, that we bought that first property. And then two years went by and we bought, you know, I said a total of five in that group. And that's when we realized from that group of people that Dave and I had the, the most passion or the most, I guess say the most time to give towards real estate. And that's when we broke off and kind of started our own thing. So okay. it really was kind of two years of working shoulder to shoulder with this group of five, uh, these three other people that we decided, Hey, we're a good match. Let's start up. Let's, let's split off and do our own thing. Right. And, and the reason why I dug so deep into finding out how long you guys knew each other, all that good stuff 
is because what I want to stress to people and what I want to tell people is you don't have to go find your best friend and get into business exactly. with them. You don't have to right. have a 10, 10 year long relationship. Have to, sometimes those are the worst business relationships. No, for sure. You got too much baggage going on. Right? Exactly. So <laughs> finding someone who is, who, you know, you guys bounce each other out, you guys compliment each other and fill each other's gaps and you don't have so much of a long relationship can actually work out better. Um, yeah. And as long as you set up the upfront, you know, a, a culture of honesty and, you know, transparency and, you know, so we're 50, 50 on everything. We all have access to the same accounts. We have access right. to everything. Uh, we can sign for each other. Right. I mean, uh, it sounds maybe too good to be too, or maybe a little dangerous, but it's worked really well for us. And, uh, we hope it'll, it'll keep going for the, in the future. Yeah. And I'm not telling people to be like, you're not going to get burned because it could still happen. It still happen, right? And I, not in real estate, but I've gone through business ventures with super close, you know, lifelong friends. It just, it doesn't really work. It's just, it, it's a conflict of interest for the most part. And it's like dealing with family for business. It, it, no, it really is. Like this guy that was basically my brother, you know, we're running a business and I'm over here doing literally 99% of the work and, you know, he's doing the one other 1%. He just can't get around it. So right. that's where I was getting at. Yeah, I was asking you so many questions with the partner. So yeah, so definitely the real estate is what created our friendship, I would say, right? And then we found out that, uh, you know, we had a lot of other things in common, but the, the real estate is kind of our, what, what kind of brought it together. Awesome. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here, Chris. I really appreciate your time coming on the show. Where can people connect with you, find out more about you. And I think you got a website as well. You want to throw all those out there for sure. us? So we do a lot of, we push a lot on Instagram at, at the stealthy rich. Uh, and then also the stealthy We outline every one of our deals and every very painful details. I think we're on house 30 something. And then we also lay out a lot of articles on, you know, how we manage these things, how we control them, how we finance them, all of that. So, cause we believe anyone who has time and, and, and the passion can, can do the same thing. So the stealthy Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show this week and uh, we will see everyone next week. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening. We hope you took something away from today's episode. For more information, you can find us on Instagram at Dante Belmonte. See you next time.